if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Our number two is underway now at uh, nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Thank you so much for joining us on AM 1420. The answer. It is a Monday, the 24th Monday, uh, 24th Monday, rather, 24th morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord 2020. And it is day one of the Republican National Convention. And President Trump greeted reporters with this over the weekend. Good to see you all. Hope you had a great weekend at your convention. As opposed to the Republican convention. Uh, I started the show with that, and I can't stop laughing at it, to be 100% honest with you. President Trump telling the reporters there, hope you had a good weekend at, week at your convention, uh, which, of course, is the Democrat convention. There will be a very, very different type of coverage of the Republican convention. You can believe that. Uh, Molly Hemingway writing uh, on Twitter, I don't know about you guys, but the thing I'm most looking for during the RNC convention this week is the effusive and gushing tweets from the Politico staff. I mean, I assume they'll do it, do it just like they did for the Democratic convention, right? Uh, so very, very true, and obviously she is being tongue-in-cheek because we know that no matter what is said from that convention uh, floor or from the various virtual locations, no matter what is said, it will said it will be panned, it will be quote-unquote fact-checked or uh, you know made uh, to be disinformation or misinformation by the left-wing media in any way that they can. So if you want to talk about that, uh, I would love to hear from you. Also want to find out if you agree with and like the idea of President Trump speaking on all four nights, as opposed to allowing the table setters to set the table. You know, all of the uh, other wonderful speakers who are going to uh, share the message of the success of the first term of the Trump administration and look forward to an even better second term. And then just have him hit the uh, Grand Slam on Thursday. How do you feel about it? I want to say it this way, by the way, because I don't want people to think that I don't think he should. I'm questioning whether or not he should go all four nights. And I'll say this about it. I think there is very, very, um, there is a very, very great reward that could come from this. But I think the risk is also very, very high. You understand? It's a risk reward thing. If he hits a home run for four straight nights and he's got different messaging and he's got, you know, it's not redundant, not repetitive. If he stays on on task, on teleprompter, I think four nights of fantastic speeches like that could be a great, great reward. However, if he goes off the cuff and then sometimes goes uh, a little bit out of bounds, as he has been known to do in various times, 
um, there is very, very high risk in that. So, again, I just hope he's prepared with the prepared remarks in all four speeches. Uh, if he does it uh, that way, I, th- I hope they are really all are on point and stay on task and don't just kind of veer off into no man's land, which he has sometimes uh, been known to do. All right. Other things that I do want to get into with you. Our prisons uh, are crowded with people who shouldn't no, be. No, we don't want to talk about that story yet, although I will get there, by the way. Sorry about that. That was a glitch. Uh, I do want to uh, get into a couple of other things. <clears throat> a weekend me. of chaos. Boy, we just have all kinds of audio firing without being uh, supposed to be. Apologies for that. We'll get rid of all of those things and get back on task. Um, I want to get back to the Democrat side of things before we look forward about this. If you recall, during the debates, the Democratic primary debates, and we've talked about this in some depth, about the highlight, the only highlight, if you will, of the entire debate season um, last fall for Kamala Harris was the moment she had with Joe Biden, which she criticized and condemned Joe Biden for his opposition to busing. You remember, Joe Biden didn't want black kids being bused from black schools to white neighborhoods and white schools because, quote, I don't want my children growing up in a racial jungle. Yes, that's, that's Joe Biden. That's who Joe Biden is. And Kamala Harris called him on that, and it was about the only positive moment, as I said, she had in a primary season in which she pulled no higher than 2%. I never believed it. Thank you. Senator Harris, please respond. Well, I just, listen, I mean, talk about now running for president and you change your position. On the Hyde Amendment, Vice President, where you made a decision for years to withhold resources to poor women to have access to reproductive health care, and including women who were the, the, the victims of rape and incest, do you now say that you have evolved and you regret that? Because you've only, since you've been running for president this time, said that you had you... By the way, is it, am I the only one who thinks that Kamala Harris sounds like she's about to cry at all times? Those little breaks in her voice, and I think it's, it's just very strange. She sounds like she's about to burst into tears virtually every time she speaks. It's so strange. I can't, I can't really put my finger on why. But at any rate, the rest of that clip is essentially getting to her where she said, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second-class integrator public schools, and she was bused to school every day. That little girl was me. And she criticized him for his opposition to busing black kids into uh, white neighborhoods. He was pro-segregationist. He was pro-segregation, period. He worked very closely with a lot of uh, uh, segregationist senators, right? Now, why am I going back to this card? I'm going back to this card because now Kamala Harris is retracting all of that and saying that, oh, anybody who's bringing up what I said to him in the primaries is just creating, quote, a distraction from what we need to accomplish. I want Joe Biden to be the next president of the United States. I believe in Joe Biden. I believe in his perspective. And frankly, I think that the conversation is a distraction from what we need to accomplish right now and what we need to do. In other words, ignore my correct um, acknowledgement of Joe Biden's support for segregation and what is then kind of de facto racism. He didn't want little black kids coming to little white kids' schools because it would create, in Joe Biden's own words, a racial jungle. So I don't bring that stuff up now. I'm on his side now. Kamala Harris is on the side of whomever or whatever gets her what she wants. She is literally about the most blatant political opportunist, I think, ever to be on a ticket for one of the two major parties. She'll do whatever she has to do to get what she wants. 
she'll say what she has to say from one crowd to the next. I mean, I, I don't want to I don't want to beat this into the ground. But, you know, you heard her say things like this about 18 to 24. What else do we know about this population, 18 through 24? They are stupid. (laughs) That is why we put them in dormitories. And they have a resident assistant. They make really bad decisions. 18 to 24-year-olds make really bad decisions. So let's talk about 16-year-olds. The past couple of years have seen young people getting involved in politics and activism, organizing around issues such as gun control and climate change. Given that policies passed now will affect the younger generation for years to come, do you believe that Americans should have the right to vote at age 16? I'm really interested in having that conversation. I have to tell you that. I think that there is no question that um, if we are looking at what is going on in our country, we are putting more responsibilities on people at a younger age. And um, the larger number of people that we can involve in the electoral process, um, I think the more robust it would be. 18 to 24-year-olds are stupid. They make really dumb decisions. Let 16-year-olds vote. Yes, both of those statements came from Kamala Harris, because she is whatever she needs uh, uh, to be at that particular moment. She'll do anything. This is political opportunism, friends. She'll do anything, including go to bed with a 60-year-old man when she's 29. A 60-year-old separated but still married man, Willie Brown, who was one of the biggest political uh, power brokers in the state of California, when she was 29, she said, yep, I'm in. She'll do whatever she has to do to get an advantage. And now she wants you to cast aside her previous criticism of Joe Biden's racism. Why? Because she's on Joe Biden's ticket. So she wants you to forget all about what she said about Biden in the past. But I got bad news for her. We're not going to forget about everything she has said in the past, not only about Joe Biden, but about other people, including police officers. The Klan was what we would call today a domestic terrorist group. Why? Why, why would we call them domestic terrorist group? Because they tried to use fear and force to change political environment. And what was the motivation for the use of fear and force? It was based on race and ethnicity. Right. Are you aware of the perception of um, many about how the, the, the power and the discretion at ICE is being used to enforce the laws? And do you see any parallels? I do not see any parallels between I'm talking about perception. officers and agents. I'm talking about perception. I, I do not see a parallel. She compared ICE, which is federal police officers, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. She compared police officers to the KKK during a confirmation hearing. And, and I, I focus on her as much as I focus on Joe Biden for the reasons that I outlined the day he named her as his running mate. Because she has to be vetted as a president. Joe Biden is not well. Joe Biden is not going to serve out probably his first term, possibly not his his first year. Joe Biden is not well. Joe Biden's cognitive decline is obvious for everyone to see. And that means when he is incapable of serving any longer, he hands the baton to Kamala Harris, somebody that even the Democrats hate. How do we know that? Because only 2% of them supported her in the primary against a field of 15 other people. Nobody liked Kamala Harris, and yet she is about to be handed the baton as president of the United States if Joe Biden wins, and if indeed he cannot continue and serve his term. All right, your phone calls immediately to follow on AM 1420, The Answer.
Downtown through Greater Cleveland on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. Wow. Um, I've got I've got breaking news for you. And I said I'm coming to your calls, and I am, but I, this just literally crossed my screen. Governor Mike DeWine is now facing 10 articles of impeachment as State Representative John Becker has led the way in trying to impeach Governor Mike DeWine. State Representative John Becker is a Republican from Union Township in Claremont County, and he announced today, this morning, that he has drafted 10 articles of impeachment against Governor Mike DeWine and is asking all 98 of his House colleagues to join him in ending the madness, if you will. This is from the Ohio House of Representatives. The public can easily find and contact their state representative at impeachdewine.com. That's impeachdewine.com. The contact form contains sample language for constituents to send to their respective state representatives to ask them to sign onto the legislation as co-sponsors. While the General Assembly has attempted to work with the governor, he has vetoed Senate Bill 55. He has threatened to veto other reasonable legislation, such as SB1 and House Bill 618. Governor DeWine has violated the Ohio and United States Constitutions, alleges the impeachment articles as well as multiple sections of the Ohio Revised Code. Among his abuses of power, he has meddled in the conduct of the presidential primary election and arbitrarily closed certain businesses while allowing other businesses to remain open. He later issued a, instituted a statewide mask mandate implementing, the, uh, implementing that requirement as a condition of employment, making Ohio a hostile work environment. The mandate also extended to congregant places of worship forcing citizens to choose between worshiping their God and worshiping at the altar of unbridled government. Many Ohioans find the mask mandate offensive, degrading, humiliating, and insulting. There is also evidence that masks can be hazardous to one's health. Governor DeWine doubled down when he expanded the mandate to our school-aged children who are less susceptible to COVID-19. Becker's statement reads, I kept holding out hope that we couldn't get to this place, that we wouldn't get to this place, rather. For months and months, I've been hearing the cries of my constituents and suffering people from every corner of Ohio. They keep screaming, do something. They are hurting. Their businesses are declining and depreciating. Their jobs have vanished. The communities that have sustained their lives are collapsing and becoming shells of what they once were. Living in fear, many have turned to drugs and, yes, even suicide to end or tolerate the unbearable pain inflicted by the governor on their livelihoods. And the damage caused by his unraveling of the fabric of Ohio, it is long past time to put an end to government gone wild. With deaths and hospitalizations from COVID-19 flattening, the governor continues to press his boot on the throat of Ohio's economy due to the unilateral actions of Governor DeWine. A growing number of businesses have failed and continue to fail. Millions of frustrated, exasperated, and suffering Ohioans are relying upon the General Assembly to take control and end their government-driven affliction. Gubernatorial recall elections are not permitted in Ohio, and removal by complaint is too arduous and impractical for the citizenry to navigate as a process for taking back their government. The only other option is impeachment. So there you have it, the statement of uh, Representative John Becker to impeach Governor Mike DeWine. This is huge. 
I can't tell you how rare, but I'm just going to say extraordinarily rare, that a member of the executive's own party would lead the movement for his impeachment. It just doesn't happen. Democrats don't lead impeachments against Democrats, and Republicans don't lead impeachment calls against Republican executives. Yet here we sit, Governor Mike DeWine, now facing 10 articles of impeachment. And we'll see what the other state representatives do in response to this. Uh, You want to react to that? I want to take your calls on that, too. I promised you I would go to your phones, but this breaking news just crossed my screen, so I wanted to share it with you. We'll add that to the list of things you can call about right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1034 onward. Two co-sponsors to that uh, impeachment uh, bill or the articles of impeachment filed by um, Ohio State Republican Representative John Becker. He's the lead sponsor. Two co-sponsors are Paul Zeltwanger from District 54, also a Republican, and Nino Vitale, whom we've had on this program a couple of times, talking about the uh, refusal of the governor to consider the uh, viewpoints of the legislators as it pertains to responding to the pandemic. So Nino Vitale and Paul Zeltwanger are co-sponsors. The lead sponsor is John Becker. All are Republicans calling for the impeachment of Governor Mike DeWine. Breaking news this morning right here on AM 1420, The Answer. If you want to react to that, let's do it. Um, Gary's been waiting in Seven Hills on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's go right to Gary. You're on the air. Gary, go ahead. Hi, Bob. Like you, I'm on the fence about Trump appearing on all four nights. On one hand, it could be too much of a good thing. On the other hand, um, a a vibrant and sharp uh, president uh, juxtaposed against uh, sleepy Joe Biden uh, could be a good thing. And, And regarding Kamala Harris, I hope the Democratic uh, uh, Party is, is crafting uh, commercials that that will uh, show how how she's flip flopped on these various various issues. And well, and, the, uh, the Republican Party would do that, not the Democrat Party. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Now, in in regarding the um, the debates that are coming up on September the 29th, I don't know how uh, Joe Biden is going to compete against against President Trump. If you, if you recall the, the debates in 2012 where he debated Paul Ryan, uh, Joe, uh, Joe Biden just sat there with a maniacal look on his face, and, and I, he had no, no arguments. I think even then you could tell that the fellow was slipping. And, and here, here we are uh, you know, eight years later. So uh, the, the debates are going to be very telling, and I, I just can't imagine how Joe Biden is going to stand on the same stage with President Trump. I well, predict they're going to try to get out of it in some fashion. Let me let me address that in a couple of ways, Gary, and thank you for your phone call. Keep listening. Um, Joe Biden, I don't think, you know, back in 2008 when he was debating uh, in, and in uh, uh, 2012 when they ran for re-election, I don't think he was the same then as he is now. I don't think he was slipping. I just think he didn't have any good ideas. He was a terrible candidate. Look, he first ran for president back in 1988 when Dukakis won the Democrat nomination, right? 
He is a terrible candidate. He always has been every time he has tried to run. And part of it is because he's not a good debater at all. He didn't have any good ideas. But I think then it was a matter of him not having good ideas when Paul Ryan, for example, ran rings around him uh, in 2012. Now it's not just ideas. There is a cognitive slippage. There's just no two ways about it when he is forced to answer questions off the cuff and he has to speak and, and you know, uh, um, process his thoughts and transfer them to his mouth uh, coherently and effectively. He just can't do it. Can he read off a screen? Yeah. Great. We saw that last Thursday. Super. Proud of you. <laughs> can he think off the top of his head and actually come up with the right answers and ideas and knowledge and so on and so forth? I don't think so any longer. That's part one. But part two is, I am not convinced that he is going to have to. In the debates against Donald Trump, I am absolutely not convinced that he is not going to find a way to do what Hillary Clinton did in the Democratic primary back in 2015-2016. You remember when they got Donna Brazile working at CNN to pass the questions on to Hillary in advance so that she could give a great, eloquent answer, knowing what the question was going to be, and that Bernie Sanders would look dumbfounded. I am absolutely not convinced that there won't be the same kind of chicanery now on behalf of Joe Biden. They're dirty. They're tricky. They're, 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 they're cheats. So whatever it is that Joe Biden does, I, I, I'm not going to, um, let's put it this way. I'll take it with a grain of salt that his answer was, was real and was honest and was off the cuff rather than him having been tipped off as to what the questions are going to be. The last thing I'll say about your your concern about the debates, or not concern, you actually are very confident that Donald Trump is going to wipe the floor with him in the debates. I'm not. Because, number one, President Trump isn't the strongest debater in the field either. If you remember how and why he won during all of those debates um, against the Republican uh, field back when he was running in 2015 and in 2016, if you recall, the things that he did the best were essentially come up with nicknames and one-liners against his opponents. He embarrassed Ted Cruz and Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio, Carly Fiorina, uh, uh, Rand Paul, uh, and and Mike Huckabee. I mean, he really did. Not because he was just talking circles around them on policy, but because of personality. He made people laugh. He embarrassed other people. He would, you know, chime in when somebody else was speaking and go wrong. (laughs) It was like a sketch. So he's not a superb debater himself either. And guess what? The Democrat media which fawned and and swooned over Joe Biden's speech on Thursday, were just so thrilled that he didn't hurt himself trying to think out loud because he just had to read. They have set a very low bar for him. If he doesn't hurt himself in the course of trying to put two, two coherent thoughts together in the debates against Donald Trump, they will declare him the winner. Understand. Now, whether or not people cast their votes on who the media says won the debates, that's another story. But if they can impact moderate or undecided voters, that's what they will do. The bar is set very low for them. That's a long answer to your questions, Gary, but you really raised some good, interesting points that I think we needed to hear all of those things. Uh, Amherst next, and David, you are on AM 1420. The answer, go right ahead, David. Good morning, Bob. <clears throat> hey, listen, um, I, I, oh, first to answer your question about the president and his, and his uh, speaking each night, um, I would hope that what he does is take, for example, tonight and talk about... Um, what he expects to do over the next administration, over the next four years from international standpoint, and then tomorrow night, maybe economic standpoint, and then uh, Wednesday, Wednesday night, maybe, um, I don't know, social issues or whatever. 
and then summarized that whole thing on Thursday night with his acceptance speech, and then let all of the other ancillary speakers talk about what he has done. So he doesn't come off as this braggadocio guy that is just, you know, um, talking about I, 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 me, me, me. I know that's one of the things that, that frustrates a lot of his uh a lot of his it does. If you will, it does. That, and and in yeah. fact, some of some of the things are so repetitive. I've heard him say, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I try I banned the flights from China to try to stop the virus from getting here and I saved millions of lives. Well, we don't have any quantifiable way of proving he saved millions of lives, but we know he did that and it was the right thing to do. And in fact, yeah, we know that Joe Biden and others opposed it and called it xenophobic, but we've heard it and I don't want to hear it four straight nights. Same thing with um, I've the, I've been the greatest president for black, president for black America since Abraham Lincoln, maybe with the exception of Lincoln, maybe. Other than that, I've done... You know, we hear these things time and time again, and sometimes they do great on people who are not necessarily MAGA hat-wearing, Trump train-riding supporters. So I just don't want him to do that for four straight nights, repeat the same things again and again, which he has done, and kind of wear himself, wear, wear out his welcome. I want him to be fresh and strong and hit everybody over the head with everything that his uh, administration has done, uh, maybe on Thursday night, and, and kind of couple that with the type of devastation this country would face if he loses. Right. I agree with you completely. Now, let me get to the point of the real reason why I called. Last night, I was kind of bored um, listening to the news summarize what they were talking about at the DNC last week. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to look at the DNC platform and see what it says. I was astonished. First of all, it's 92 pages long, um, the, the, and it's brand spanking new. The Republican um, platform basically is exactly the same platform that they ran on the last time for a couple of reasons. One is because it was a good platform, and two is there's still some work to do, and so it needs to be accomplished. But the DNC platform is absolutely ridiculous. It's almost every single paragraph is talking, is bad-mouthing the Trump administration. Let me, indulge me for a second while I get into um, the first major section of the DNC platform talks about protecting Americans from recovering uh, and recovering from um, the COVID thing. And it starts right out by saying, uh, we do not have competent, experienced, compassionate leadership, blah, 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 blah. President Trump has, and administration has missed multiple opportunities to protect, blah, 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 blah. Um, the president led the American people or lied to the American people about, that's paragraph one. Paragraph two starts out, make no mistake, President Trump, abject failure, blah, blah, blah. Paragraph four, President Trump's failure to pay attention to blah, 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 blah. The fifth one, President Trump's administration, every single paragraph is not talking about what they're going to do, but trying to degrade Trump. I wish I had a total of the number of times President Trump's name is mentioned in the DNC platform. I think everyone would be astonished. Well, you know, here's the thing uh, I would say in response. And David, thank you for that call and that great summary. Here's the thing. They have to trash Trump because they truly do not have a unified um, platform of their own. And what I say, what I mean by that is what Jim Jordan said, I think it was Jim Jordan who said that to me earlier this morning, reminded us of the dichotomy in the very first night of the Democrat convention. John Kasich stood up there and said that Joe Biden is the best, most moderate uh, uh, candidate to come along in, in a number of years, called him a moderate. Then literally the next speaker 20 minutes later was Bernie Sanders, who said Joe Biden is going to be the most progressive president we've ever had. Now, these are two speakers, primary speakers at their convention. What a Republican, in name only, 
And the other one, Bernie Sanders, a socialist, and they literally both said the opposite of what a Joe Biden presidency will be. So they don't have unified messaging about what they will do. So the only thing they can do is take advantage of what they perceive to be Trump's disapproval ratings, his unpopularity, and say we're going to be not like Trump. So here's our 92 pages broken down section by section, as you just told us, David, and 92 sections or 92 pages rather of, of Trump is terrible because of this. We won't be that. What will we be? I don't know. We haven't figured that out yet. Joe Biden's a moderate, we're told. And Kamala Harris, according to GovTrack.us, is the most liberal member of the United States Senate, even left of the socialist himself, Bernie Sanders. How can a moderate and a liberal... A far, far, far left liberal like Kamala Harris actually make an effective ticket. They can't. So they just say, well, we're not, we're not Trump. Trump's unpopular, so we're not Trump. That's why you should vote for us. It's extraordinary. And by the way, since you said the first section was how they plan to deal with the coronavirus, all you got to do is listen to the insanity of Joe Biden to know what to expect in, this, uh, in, the, in the future. In, the, in fact, next year, in fact, January 21st of 2021. The day after Joe Biden is sworn in, the day after he's inaugurated as the president, here's what he's going to do. Come January, and we have coronavirus and the flu combining, which many scientists have said is a real possibility. Would you be prepared to shut this country down again? I would be prepared to do whatever it takes to save lives, because we cannot get the country moving until we control the virus. That is the fundamental flaw of this administration's thinking to begin with. In order to keep the country running and moving and the economy growing and people employed, you have to fix the virus. Have- L- listen to the insanity of what he just said. Listen to that. It's, it's extraordinarily important. With. In order to keep the country running and moving and the economy growing and people employed, you have to fix the virus. You have to deal with the virus. So if the scientists say shut it down, I would shut it down. In order to keep the country moving, to keep the economy growing, and to keep people employed, I would shut it down. Did, did, did you hear that? Did you process that? In order to keep the economy growing and keep people employed, I would shut the country down. I mean, he couldn't have just said that in a live interview, could he? Was he not watching? From March until now? Did he skip the last five months of what happened when we shut the country down? State by state, anyway. We lost 22 million jobs. Thousands and thousands of businesses went out of business, never to return. Others are hanging on by a thread, begging President Trump to make sure everything opens up. This man said in order to keep the economy growing, it's nice that he admits it's growing, and to keep people employed, he would shut down the country. All because of a virus. Because he said we have to save lives. Apparently the only lives that matter are COVID lives. Suicide lives, drug overdose lives don't matter. Starving children because their parents have been laid off don't matter. But he literally said in order to keep the economy moving, 
And to keep people employed, he would shut it down. That is the fundamental flaw of this administration's thinking to begin with. In order to keep the country running and moving and the economy growing and people employed, you have to fix the virus. You have to deal with the virus. So if the scientists say, shut it down? I would shut it down. It is amazing, by the way, when he listens to scientists and when he doesn't. Because when science, scientists tell him that there are only two sexes, two genders, uh, Joe Biden <laughs> has no idea. How many do they have there, Joe? Three? Fifty? Seventy-five? He has been on the record saying he doesn't know how many genders there are. Science, Joe. Listen to the scientists. Uh, let me get, um, actually, it's at 1050. Let me get a timeout here is what I need to get. And then we'll come back in and get a couple of more phone calls on AM 1420, The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. All right, 1054, final segment. Uh, Crazy, crazy morning. The uh, RNC starts tonight. We talked to Jim Jordan, who will be a featured speaker uh, tonight. Um, During the uh, RNC, President Trump is supposed to speak all four nights of the convention. And then breaking during this hour of the program, we found out that Governor Mike DeWine is being impeached, or at least articles of impeachment have been introduced against him by three Republican co-sponsors. The lead sponsor is uh, John Becker, District 65. Co-sponsors are Paul Zeltwanger, District 54, and Nino Vitale, District 85. Obviously, we will endeavor to get Mr. Becker or, well, Messrs. Becker, Vitale, and Zeltwanger on the program tomorrow uh, to see if they can tell us exactly why they are uh, moving to impeach Mike DeWine. Ten articles have been listed uh, of violations of his oath of office against Mike DeWine. So it's pretty rare to see a member of the same party uh, as the executive actually sponsor uh, the impeachment. That's a pretty amazing thing. Lisa Woods in Medina on AM 1420. The answer is on the line. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. Hey, I want to thank David for pointing out the uh, the Democratic platform. Basically, ninety two pages of uh, Orange Man bad. You know, yeah, that's that's it. Orange Man very bad, I guess. Um, and the in the convention, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I love to hear from our president. So if uh, if he's speaking every night, I'm fine with that. But you know, he always puts incredible ordinary people that have become superstars because of their faith, their courage, and I know we're going to see a lot of that, and he's, uh, and, and, and it'll be awesome. So <laughs> I'm good with that. Um, I just have two other things I want to talk about real quick is the McFan meeting. Um, we had a, a, a nice turnout, and uh, we went over those racist resolutions and proclamations and declarations or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you know, it really opens the door for bullying. You know, they're going to vote on that tonight in Medina. And so I would encourage people to reach out to those um, council people. But I don't think we're going to change their mind because they are who they are. People need to know about this ahead of time. There's plenty of independents and centrists or whatever that, you know, are living good lives and they're, they're not really political junkies. But if they knew... If they knew this was happening, and if they knew in a, in a you know in more time, they would not be for this. It's it's a matter of educating people. And I we also had uh, Senator Aboff drop by and gave us a meaningful um, 
update on the Senate, which was excellent, and we had a handful of first-timers. We had a, uh, a uh, Doris and a Dolores <laughs> that came for the first time and then joined us at Gandalf's. Just, just wonderful to get together with, you know, um, all these great people, new people, um, and and folks from all over the map waking up saying, "Wow, we got to do a little bit more." Well, and you also, know what? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Finish your thought. <laughs> That's okay. And also, I just wanted to say that we had our our um, Medina GOP opening on Sunday. It was a blowout. It was amazing. We have a new chairman. You might know him, uh, Jim Renacy. <laughs> He uh, is doing a fantastic job, and we have an executive committee that is really uh, pulling together to make things happen. So we have, for the first time, we're going to have a year-round GOP office, which I think is fantastic. There was music. There was food. The parking lot was packed, and it was that big parking lot off of 71 and 18 right there by the Antique Mall. Outstanding. So I just want to thank everybody for coming to all of these different things and events fantastic. Well, I'm glad to hear you say all of that, Lisa, and thank you for your phone call, because that is exactly right. Local activist organizations are the key to this entire thing, to us winning uh, and to us advancing the causes of constitutional law, the advance uh, law and order in general, uh, the key to uh, uh, family values, our Bill of Rights. I mean, all the things that we hold so precious that are all under attack by far leftists who are running for office in, in, in exec- executive positions. We have to respond, not nationally, but locally. And that's, uh, that's what McFan is all about. That's what the new organization that I'm involved with is all about as well, Citizens for Free Speech. It is a national organization, but we have just launched and announced today the first chapter of CFFS, which is Citizens for Free Speech Ohio. And if you want to be a part of that, you've got to become a member. It's very easy and free to sign up at citizensforfreespeech.org. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. All right, that's all the time that we have. Thanks to Andrew and to Marcy for running the show. Thanks to Congressman Jordan, who was our guest. Enjoy the convention night one. Reactions tomorrow right here on the Bob France Authority. Be well.